0: This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday.
1: Hi, this is Nico, giving you a short introduction into this episode. This episode is our entry into the literature on racism, anti-racism, and white fragility. What you will hear now is an unabridged version of the recording Sam and I did after we finished our first book in this series, called Why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race. I'm recording this introduction after editing the episode, and after doing a lot more research. In hindsight, it is clear to us that we still have a lot to learn about issues surrounding racism, and that some of our opinions and remarks are ignorant and, frankly, racist. That being said, we are on a journey to learn more about this profoundly complex issue and hope to make improvements with every book we read. We're happy to share our struggles with you and hope you can learn from them as well. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Sam. And in this episode, we're starting a series on a topic that is very much important right now and very much on top of everyone's minds, and it is racism. So, Sam and I read the book, "Why I no Longer Talk to White People about Race," written by Rennie Edo Lodge and it's so it's, it's a heavy book and it's an interesting book. How are you doing, Sam?
0: I'm doing great so it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been really fascinating to get much deeper into this uh, so one mm-hmm. of those things you kind of in the same way that you always think you're kind of smart and then like A few weeks later, you'll learn something like, oh shit, I was really dumb. And then you're like, ah, now I'm smart. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. kind of like that, as in we've been getting into like feminism. We're like, yeah, we're into equality, we're into diversity. (laughs) We thought we were smart. And then (laughs) then you read this, you're like, oh God, ooh, I had no idea what was going on in the world. So, yep, the point of this podcast is to make ourselves as wise as possible, as quickly as possible. And so we're going on a bit of a season of racial injustice. And we're starting with this Mm -hmm. one, which I think is very, it's the, Well, we haven't read all the other things, but just the title, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, it just sort of summarizes the exasperation of people's inability to talk about these things, and I think it's just a very good opening book to start this conversation. It doesn't necessarily equip you with all the tools to solve the problems or understand everything, but hopefully we will dive into those books further in this uh, series. But yeah, it has been very informative and certainly opened our eyes a bit. Although like obviously yeah. the riots have already opened your eyes to the fact that people are very <laughs> angry and touchy about the subject. But mm. yeah, it's a, it's a very hard one to also engage in because it's not something where you can just go and share your views easily on social media or something. And You kind of want like kind of private discussions to understand yourselves. And I've been able to have conversations with like my very good friends about what's going on, but it's kind of hard and you don't really want to be the person just going like, oh, actually, I do care about black lives and these things Like on social media, just sort of being like a token of appreciation or something. And hmm. yeah, it's a very hard one, but you also don't want to be silent and just like not being involved. And it is definitely yeah. causing a lot of confusion for lots of white people and and all well, yes. people, to be honest, um, just trying to sort of work out their status on these things and not be annoying and be caring for each other. And yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, a good topic for conversation.
1: Absolutely. And as ironic as it is, as two white people, white men mm. talking about this, I think we are quite open-minded and I must say, you said like, it's confusing and I would say that that's probably the best words to describe my feeling now, because it's, I found it so difficult to ha- wrap my head around and to, to like boil it down to the essence and to find solutions. And it's, it's been really tough. Mm. So yeah. Do you want to give uh, the listeners a short summary of the book?
0: Yeah. So the book goes into initially like the introduction sort of revisits her blog post, which sparked off the whole book where she wrote not a long blog post just about why she's no longer talking to white people about race. Cause she just sort of gave up. She was trying to sort of move things forwards on like racial discrimination and things and just got, the same reaction of people kind of rolling their eyes and being like, Oh, this crazy black lady just trying to talk about race. There's no problems. It's fine. And people just weren't really giving her the time of day and things. And it's just, she just found it very annoying and made her feel like sort of shame and sort of frustrated. And so she kind of talks about like those feelings that she had. And it it really does sort of open your mind to the problems that people face when they realize that they kind of do have more of a problem, but they don't want to come across annoying and talk about these things and um, trying to be more sensitive and, empathetic as a person and so that was an interesting start and then she kind of goes into how she actually got so interested in race and the background it's a very uk-centric book so she went to university and she she didn't really look a lot into these things she hadn't really been outside of london a lot and she took a module on slavery and she just sort of found out like how baked in slavery is like part of the history of the uk is and like one of the reasons why we are such a successful nation is the fact that we kind of exploited africa in a massive way and we had the basically the um the whole triangle of trade from we'd be sending stuff to africa we'd then put a load of slaves onto our ships and take them across to america and then load up on like sugar and so basically yeah the whole slave trade sort of first started from the uk and the expansion into america which um was sort of affled. and yeah she started going around parts of the UK to sort of see the historic sites in Liverpool and Bristol and sort of see how these slave ports all started and things and she just kind of was a bit baffled that she kind of was in this country that had exploited so many of like the people that she came from and yeah it's just a, it was a very interesting history of how that happened and then the more recent history in the UK as well like over the last 50 years of like how things have only slowly changed and the fact that there's still a lot of un- injustice recently in terms of just sort of trying to get like equality in business and opportunities for people and things like like healthcare and stuff, which sort of explains some of the things like coronavirus. There's always been like a higher percentage of black people dying from it. And it's not because of like they have weaker immune systems or something, but it's more like the fact that they just live in less healthy environments and have like a lower economic status to sort of, be in these things like like there's a lot less black people that have been able to escape to like random places in the country in the middle of nowhere and they are living more in cities and these kind of things and it sort of just indicates these statistics that you just don't really realize and think about that much and yeah so it was a very informative book on those things and so that was like a nice I guess like the first half of the book she then kind of goes more into the problems from her blog about like white people not really listening and the shame and then also the fact that like, even the feminists, like the white feminists, don't even care and relate to the black cause side because they kind of feel like, well, it's a bit, oh, it's hard to explain because of you don't want to say that like feminism is a bad thing, but she sort of calls out the white feminist, like the actual author of the book we uh, read, Invisible Women, which sort of made us sort of go into the, the equality uh, thing. She sort of calls her out a lot as only really caring about like, white feminism and then like that's just the whole cause and then the black feminists are like these sort of angry side people that kind of dirty the cause and make people less like not buy into the whole thing and like almost like they feel like the black feminists like turn people off a bit too much and so they they didn't make them welcome and yeah it was really I don't know it made you feel quite bad for them <laughs> and you're like <laughs> the people who should be listening to the most who are kind of also had problems should be listening more but it was, it was kind of almost like in the same way that the people near you, you often have the most troubles with. So like in Britain, well, in England, like the Welsh hate us the most and the Scottish and, and then France. And then like slowly you get further into Europe, they don't hate us as much. And then as you get to the rest of the world, everyone loves us. And like, I'm sure like in Belgium, you talk about the French as idiots more than you do like people in Nigeria or something. And, felt maybe like a bit kind of like almost tribal in like the sort of the efforts to create equality and not be tribal <laughs> and they were like most annoyed by the people that were taking away attention from like the feminist cause because so they kind of say their cause was like slightly more worthy than theirs and yeah so she had a lot of bad reactions from from those which is quite sad really and hopefully gets changed and um there she then makes a case for positive discrimination just because of change just isn't happening enough by people saying we're not going to be racist we're going to like accept any cv and like read whatever it is and these kind of things like it doesn't change the fact that if all well if most businesses and like people of power are white they just naturally know a lot more white people and they're more likely to be able to present opportunities to people who are white and whatever you do in terms of not being racist with your policies it's still the fact that like you just get on with people that you know better and you're more likely to give them a job or like all of these things even if you're not trying to like push other people down and that we actually need to have positive discrimination just to make more opportunities for people of other races happen just by putting them in positions of power where they can actually relate to other people and make things more even and diverse and the fact that diversity is really useful so that for me was the main summarization of the book Nice. Cool. <laughs> um,
1: to, to your last point, I found it very interesting, and we, we can dive immediately into it with uh, like asking the tough questions. But mm-hmm. what's your view on like are humans born to be racist? Like, is it normal for a human to be racist or not? Uh, your view on that?
0: Yes and no. So you're born to be tribal, but if you open your eyes for the first time and you're a tribe surrounded by like black people and all different colors, you turn to be in that tribe in the same way that like football hooligans or something, they support their football team and like the city from near, like nearby, like their biggest rivals, like these people like stabbed each other, even though they're all white. It's not like the race as such, it's the tribe. So mm. I think you are evolved to be tribal just naturally because if you sort of, you're designed to like want to make the survival of your genes happen and if people are going to come in and like steal your wives and stuff from other tribes and to talk different languages, you kind of, you're naturally ingrained to kind of be a bit more hesitant of them. Mm. So yeah, if you go to school where there's like lots of different colors and these things, and you kind of, I think the kids these days are much less racist ingrained to them just because of There are more people around them and they are on the internet and seeing different people in movies and these things, but it's still like such a major problem because of, most leading roles are like white people and and male and trying to get a lot more of the conversations and stuff that you get exposed to being more diverse just to make the world seem more diverse to you but it's obviously much more diverse than it was like 40 years ago or something but not enough mm. so yeah anyway back to the original question yes and no <laughs> in, in that sense
1: yep and i I'm, well, we've discussed this in the podcast quite a lot. And we've also read books that talk about um, how humans evolved like hundreds of thousands of years ago and how Mm. natural selection has made us in a certain way. And I actually am of the belief that humans are designed to be xenophobic. Yeah. So we're supposed to be scared of people we don't know. Mm. And I think that the problem is that like in in ancient history, we were never exposed to people who had like significantly other skin color. Yeah, yeah. And so we're not used to that. And I think in the same way that we're not used to eating that many grains and stuff, mm. Like it's, I think there there could be a, a case made where people have been naturally designed to be racist or afraid of people that don't yeah, have yeah. the same Yeah, well, I mean, if you prefer. think about
0: it, it sort of makes sense as in when the white people arrived in Africa, it would have made a lot of sense for the black people to be very scared of us because <laughs> we weren't mm-hmm. very nice. And mm-hmm. it's just a pity that we weren't, very wise scientifically back then you and the way people kind of thought of black people is almost like a different species of like a sub-level thing and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's yeah as in if you go back to when we we're talking about all these philosophers from like two centuries ago well that's probably gonna be in the next season actually but like we've read a lot of philosophy books and it's interesting like we are very against the more recent sort of racist things but then like all of the ancient rulers from like 2000 years ago were completely racist all of their slaves were black and these Mm -hmm. things and we don't really think about that so much because it's like so much longer ago we kind of forgive them (laughs) whereas we um are not so forgiving about more recent things in like the last few hundred years Mm -hmm. but i mean it did get a lot more like engineered and more exploitative i guess anyway i think it's
1: it's an yeah, I think the question like is racist na- is being racist normal or natural? I think it's an important discussion to be had. But mm. I think in this case, when you're talking about about Britain, for example, it's not going to lead to any solutions because I think if you pull it through and you're saying okay, people are inherently racist, it's it's a call against multiculturalism. Yeah, more and more people are saying that multiculturalism isn't a good thing, uh, just because like people differ and people prefer like people that are the same and will always have some kind of fear of the unknown where they see people that mm. they don't like that have different culture because we're talking about skin color but i think this the same could be said about people that dress differently you know yeah definitely um,
0: people just naturally go for their crowd
1: yeah it's a difficult conversation to be had but anyway i think it's it's in this case like if you look at the us or britain i think it's an unfair discussion to be had because there are different um pe- people of different skill colors are in those countries they're there um and Most of them are not there as a result of their own choice. As in, if a country decides to take slaves to their own country to work for them, Mm. and these slaves are there, it's an unfair conversation to start saying, yeah, we're naturally racist. It's extremely unfair to to do that. See what I mean?
0: No, I don't see what you mean. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) You could have a conversation. I'm not saying it's it's ethically or morally correct, but you could have a, have a conversation about people coming to your country yeah. and saying, "Okay, I don't want people other people with different skin different skin in my country," mm. because like people with different skin always ha- will have some tension. Like yeah. humans are naturally racist. What you mean? But I feel you can have that discussion at that point. However, if you as a people decides to to take slaves to your own country, and those slaves become part of your country because slavery is abolished then I feel that discussion goes out of the window. You cannot like you can have the discussion, but you like you need to find a different solution. And I think that's that's one of the the things that that we should be talking about in countries. Well everywhere because I don't think there's one western country that hasn't been involved in, in any slave trade and
0: mm. stuff. Okay, I get what you mean in terms of let's say Iceland doesn't have any black people or <laughs> they could say let's not any, let anyone here because of like they won't like us as much and we won't like them as much. And it'll mm-hmm. just lead to like negative things. I think it's like, yeah, it's a terrible thing to be saying and, and not a good idea. But I can see why someone might think that would be a logical solution. Yes, good.
1: <laughs> These types of discussions, I, I'm glad you're like open minded about it. But it's because one of the reasons I've had a very tough time thinking about or wrapping my head about racism and the issue, the underlying issues and the possible solutions is because I usually try and, and and think about these in discussions so i find people that mm. have like and just talk about it but i found it so difficult to have a, a constructive uh discussion about this also because i have the bad habit of playing the advocate of the devil
0: yeah in yeah. discussions yeah
1: so i'll take like i'll take like the different standpoint from the one i really have and just Try and defend it, see how people react, just to learn from it. Yeah, Racism is such an emotional issue that I haven't had a, a decent conversation where two viewpoints were being discussed openly without things getting heated um, and people saying, like, you can't talk about yeah, that, yeah. or uh, that's just racist that's saying that, et cetera. One of the
0: problems is the inability to really, like, have a proper long discussion because, like, humans are evolved to move away from, like, feelings of discomfort And trying to talk about this is very discomforting. And we kind of immediately kind of go on to like easier things to talk about. And you can't really kind of have like an engaging long conversation just by accident. You have to be like, okay, we're having an hour discussion on this or something. You have to frame it straight away. Mm. You can't like just sort of Mm. bring it up to the dinner table. Oh, by the way, I think we might all be quite racist. Oh, yes. Well, anyway, pass the turkey. And you're like, oh, great. (laughs) It's true. Do you consider yourself to be a racist? Well, of course not. But have I actively been anti-racist i don't think so either doesn't I mean mm. like i had black girlfriend when i was like five so it's not like skin color was a thing for me as such but mm. since then i haven't had any black girlfriends because i don't engage with a lot of people who are of different colors when i'm here in england as such certainly more mm. in london but yeah i yeah i just feel like i probably could have given more opportunities for other people if i had been able to but yeah, so it's very confusing mm-hmm. Really,
1: <laughs> yes you're echoing my my sentiment mm. because i actually i think i think that people would be able to make a case about me being racist yeah i'm actually pretty sure that if i would engage in an open conversation with with the author of uh, the book mm. um, that we just read so uh, renier the lodge i think i would say things that would be perceived by her to be racist and and i don't don't mean that in a negative way about her so in the book, she describes certain situations where she's speaking to someone. So you gave the example about the the, the author of the book on feminism, Invisible mm-hmm. Women, is Carolina Criado Sopin-Perez. Perez. Criado yeah. Perez, yeah. So she, she talks about her. And so basically, they have a conversation. And, show, and so the author of this book describes the conversation. And then I don't remember it by heart, but the way Carolina Criado Perez talks about racism versus feminism, I think at a certain point, um, really agitates Rennie, mm. And so basically she, she sh- shuts down the conversation because she can't have it. And so when I re-listened to the, the conversation that happened, I'm like trying to pinpoint where the racism was and why it was so wrong. And I have such difficulties really grasping it. Mm. it, it it's, it's quite often where I'm like, well, okay, I'm having difficulties seeing the racism in things people say. And I think in that way, I'm racist because I, I'm probably without knowing it's so blessed by my white privilege? You
0: just sort of went around being like, and then, yeah, I definitely guess in some ways I have been the same. Because like, I mean, I spoke with, I was, went away with a few friends who are both girls and um, they're really good friends of mine. And I've been listening to Invisible Women and like, we spoke a lot about like equality and things. And one of those friends was black and I literally don't remember her or like even, I can't even <laughs> say it, but apparently she said like, in, I've then spoken to her now and she was a bit like slightly exasperated the fact like I mean I was trying to say the fact that like it's even worse for black people in these things and I was like mm. I did not even notice in the slightest that you mentioned that or anything and like really mm. what? Who? And, and so like I'm sure she could have been more forceful about it but you don't want to be forceful but equally yeah. I wasn't being empathetic to the extra things I was just only like I like listen to the feminism and just give me the lens to watch out for like men versus women, I didn't have the lens for and race <laughs> part mm-hmm. as well for mm-hmm. like trying to find the injustice in the world. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I just, I wasn't looking for these things. And so you just completely blind to them and probably do just completely accept these things. It, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's like super obvious and someone sort of will serve me first in a queue and then we'll like shout at another guy like a horrible thing because of he's be like a different color and tells him to go back or something, then yeah, like that would be obvious racism. I wouldn't accept that. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm non-obvious racism like not so much
1: (laughs) yeah it's really difficult
0: yeah well uh, i say that i actually (laughs) other things i mean i do readily accept the fact that i do have privilege when i do go traveling and things as in if i was black and i tried to hitchhike across kazakhstan probably wouldn't have gone so well for me and i mean i got arrested Mm. in paraguay but like got away with it i mean i hadn't done anything illegal but they're just trying to get money out of us and stuff but like they probably could have kept me for a lot longer and like a lot of things that you just when you are a bit sort of on the edge of things you would just probably wouldn't have gotten away with if i had been a different color or like in india like mm. they've got this crazy class system for all within india but then like if you're white you're basically like completely at the top of the class and they just sort of treat you like a bit of a king and that was very nice and then i didn't go around telling people off the whole time sure i i tried to make it a bit more quality and be like guys right, don't treat me extra and i think but like mm-hmm. often i was <laughs> tired of something <laughs> And yeah, so it was helpful for people to help you, but you're kind of used to that as a traveler sometimes. And you don't think about how much more difficult it would be for other people. And so like, I do sort of talk about like, Oh yeah, go traveling. It's so easy. Like anyone can do that kind of things in the same way that I talk about like start a business. So that's what you should be doing with your life, but it's actually not always easy for other people. And you kind of just giving advice more to like yourself rather than actually thinking about it. So perhaps I am more racist than I would have realized in that sense.
1: Hmm yeah it's it's difficult to notice the absence of something yeah yeah so it's um she she says that in the book as well
0: it's also the the term racist i think is the problem is one of the biggest issues because you Mm. think of the term racist as someone who is going to go lynching people and like has and Mm. says horrible things and makes people Mm. directly feel bad and so you can't you don't identify with that at all and you also aren't going to call someone out for it because of if I was to tell you that you were racist and you hadn't like been reading this book, you would think that I think some really horrible things about you, which I don't. And so it's hard for me to have that conversation to like help enlighten you to be not racist. If you don't understand the term that I'm talking about. Hmm. And so it's very hard to like have that conversation around something that's sensitive. If you're being highly offensive to someone when you're actually just trying to help them and you're like, actually you're a person that really likes equality and you would like to care for other humans in the world. You're an empathetic person but you could be more empathetic and you mm. have accidentally been slightly racist. That's a nice conversation <laughs> to have just telling someone that they're racist yeah, yeah. is like, Oh my God, I think you're just the worst human. and You you belong in jail. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: it's true. True. Limited by uh, vocabulary. Yeah. It's exactly. True. Yeah. And then, there's, of course, I mean, the reason why we're reading this book right now is the whole commotion in the US and over the world where just like Black Lives Matter movements, et cetera. Yeah.
0: Well, um, even in my, well, while well, I went well, to uni in Bristol, They had the slave trader mm. torn down the first one,
1: uh, mm. now
0: many, but that was a really powerful thing. It's in like, it was, it was going on in the United States and like, there has been like, has to protests in the UK, and then that happened. It was like, holy shit, my home city! <laughs> and it's like, I know and, and all the places where, like, you can see in the video where they're doing these things. I've been there millions of times. You're like, wow, changes happening, <laughs> and the stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah,
1: here in Belgium, there's a big discussion because our second king, just uh, mm. called Leopold II, was one of the top five uh, most murderous people in the world. So he was the sole ruler of Congo. Um, so central Africa. Yeah. And so he like basically took all of the resources from that land and used the people there as slaves and like did horrible things like kill. But basically they estimate his killings around like 10 million people or 12 wow. million people because of him. And so there's, and so all the, all the, the money and the riches like came back to here. And so I live in Brussels and uh, like, in a circle of one kilometer from me, there are like, huge, beautiful, well, beautiful buildings from that time, built by the money from that mm. uh, extortion of a whole country. Yeah. And there's a lot of statues from him that now people are definitely like, there's the whole discussion about, should we get rid of the statues? Mm. So that's that's also like a difficult discussion Then I haven't wrapped my head around it. Because on one point, I can definitely see why you would remove the statues. On the other hand, I think ignoring our pasts isn't a good thing either. Like it's, it opens yeah, up the door yeah. to making the same mistakes. So there's like people saying, and I kind of feel the same way. Like we should just teach, like educate people and perhaps next to the statues, like put like uh, some, some, some board that says like, okay, this person did this, this, this and this, and we should like, this is, I mean, it's difficult. I am. Um, mm-hmm. it's, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to kind of observe people for what they were at the time. And I think it makes sense. And like, I read the, biography of Alexander the Great and it talks about him being like one of the most amazing humans and he was just like super intelligent, everyone loved him and he could just go like, get everyone on his side and he was like one of the most successful general in history and like he was only active for like 10 years but sort of took over like half of Europe and Africa kind of thing and it sort of just makes a quick sentence being like this is a bit of a pity that he only really put his um, mind towards war and if he'd been born in a different time he might have done something useful with his life and mm. <laughs> and you can kind of celebrate someone for like doing something of worthy and note at the time but when it comes to slavery it's sort of no exploitation of people which seems bad but like it's hard to kind of understand that like these people maybe weren't thought of as people and you we don't want to like identify with that as a thing whereas mm. you can kind of look back at crazy religions and be like oh well that's cute like the egyptians or stuff and then but we still have like religions going on and It's a bit of a more confusing topic of what we think of as the way people thought that was clearly wrong versus what isn't wrong. and
1: Yeah, yeah. I think (laughs) it opens up a a whole new conversation about like something I think Harari pointed out in one of his books was, there is no such thing as basic human rights. Mm. There's no such thing as right and wrong in nature. And so the reason I'm saying it, that is, for example, in, in the time of the Egyptians, like Slaves were considered like lesser people mm. um, and it was okay to 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 kill a slave. And when we're looking back at it now, it's like, oh, it's horrible. So, and it's, it's really terrible. But um, like, it could be uh, hypothetically that 200 years in the future, people look back at us and we're like, those persons were eating meat. They were killing yeah, living yeah. beings to Definitely. feed themselves and like, but at that point in time, it could be that like it it would be almost well, it's, it's never gonna be the same, obviously, but it's gonna be similar yeah, to they're be like, oh my humans. god, so
0: many viruses and disgusting things and like these animals have like <laughs> so many like thoughts. Yeah, about, and so better ways to, like access what they're thinking and stuff, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it's dangerous to to look at people with the moral the morals from your current time because you just like it was different. There's no like one answer. And but it's, I mean, it's, it's for me, the book was uh, my main takeaway is that it's um, a great like starting point, you know, it it raises a lot of questions and it puts you on an adventure to try and gather your thoughts, analyze yourself, your behavior, yeah, um, the way you perceive the world and try and make sense of it.
0: Definitely. And it's a useful, it helps you realize the things that you can and can't talk about with people that sort of haven't got it. And it nudges you to, I guess people that maybe aren't ready to engage in this conversation, it definitely nudges me to kind of enlighten them a little bit or try and point them in the direction of finding these things out themselves a bit more so that they can then engage more actively with me in the discussion that perhaps is hard if it comes across as mm. telling them they're racist initially. But mm. um, well, having a Black Lives Matter, I think is probably the easiest way to be like a, oh, you should read this because sort of people are suddenly feeling like a lot inept and behind at the times. Yeah. But while well, I say that it's, when you're engaging in these things it seems like it's the whole thing like the world but one of the worries is that like actually it's just one of the news items and like a lot of people aren't that bothered by it and don't listen to a lot of news and there's plenty of white people around here like oh yeah that thing was going on interesting hmm. and haven't really hmm. read anything or done anything further it's just sort of you know well yeah there's hmm. a bit of a race issue going on maybe black people should be paid a bit more and But as far as their thoughts have gone, they haven't really had any kind of difficult discussions or thoughts in their head or done anything to open their views that much. And in the same way that I'd never really been able to predict Brexit or Trump or these kind of things, just because of everyone that I know and hear about was like left in in all of my social media Mm -hmm. and my news and stuff that I read in the same way. So everything is telling me that the world's going to this huge change and we're all going to be very liberal and like (laughs) it's going to be very diverse and lovely. But what is going to happen when like voting happens again and and stuff in like a few years time, are all the people who were kind of racist and voted for Trump still going to do the same thing in a few months? I, I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. You hope that there's been like a bit of a shift, but I've done a lot of hoping over the last few years and hasn't changed anything so much, but I've, it does seem like it's definitely been a good positive step. And I've, certainly all the open-minded people who just were being slightly blind, I think are going to be a lot more educated at least. So yeah, yes, anyway, um, <laughs> backing away from the politics side of things, good book, interested to read more books on, on the topic.
1: <laughs> yes. So that's, that's the plan, right? We've taken our first step into the the anti-racist literature or the, the, the literature about racism. Mm. And I guess now it's the next book in line waiting for us is going to be White Fragility, because I think it might be so that one of the reasons that we're like, I'm personally having a tough time with this is because I'm... Yeah, I think that will be described in the book White Fragility. No, yeah, I'm, I'm so um, privileged, I guess that mm. I don't want to admit how wrong I am or how lucky I am, and how much of my um, quote-unquote successes because it's not that I'm super successful or anything yeah, um, yeah. have been thanks to me being white and the you know, opportunities wealthy. around you as opposed to exactly
0: like just your yeah. core skills. Exactly. Yeah.
1: 100%. So yeah, that's that. So should we do? Um, should we round this up with a uh, quick? Rating and uh, most important takeaway? Yes. Or is, is there something else you would like to discuss?
0: No, I think it's good as in, I you mean, know, can go into <laughs> there's been lots of posts about by white people being like, oh, I'm so sorry about the fact that actually, like, I've been getting away with things. And yeah, I mean, so it's worth noting that. Like, yeah, I definitely have had like a nicer life and these things that I sort of opened my eyes to. And like, I've got one friend who's a really good entrepreneur. He's black, but he's super busy because of his, brother's trying to get like a good education so he has to pay for his entire education and so he's got to earn like 40 grand a year base to get him like educated in the uk and he's now got like he's just had like a child well he's about to have a child and these things so he's he's just got to earn so much each year just to then have the freedom to have some time to work on his entrepreneurial ideas and i literally am completely free (laughs) like i'm currently Mm -hmm. with my mum, like that's no cost. Like, hey, okay, I'm actually paying for my food. So what, I pay, like, £400 pounds a month or something because hmm. they're buying fancier food than I would have bought for myself. But, like, I can handle that. And, yeah, I'm I'm pretty, like, in a nice position to be able to just, like, explore things of, like, ideas that I have and start a podcast because I've got the spare time to do some reading and, like, think about the world. And it's it's very nice. So, yeah. Certainly has opened my eyes hmm. a bit on that sense. Anyway, <laughs> back to the book. Yeah, I... A bit confused by what to rate it. I guess in terms of, it's opened my eyes a lot and really changed what I think. And it was very readable. So in that sense, I guess like nine. I feel like it could have been better in many ways if, <laughs> in terms of some of the things that she sort of goes through. But, no, I'm gonna go with nine. Actually, it was great. Whatever. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. All right, very good. And uh, main takeaway:
0: humans are very good at fooling themselves and much to like the elephant in the Bain book that we started this whole podcast with of you kind of, you always think that you're in a good point in terms of like you lie to yourself. with like, yeah, I was reading this book and I understood all of it or yeah, I'm not a racist or yeah, I'm really smart. Mm. I've learned from like the last 20 years. There's not much else to learn now. I'm just going to like go ahead with my life being like I am. And then like literally like next week, you like realize that you've been an idiot and yeah, it's just sort of pointed out how much of an idiot I still am and how much more mm. there is to learn. And mm-hmm. That race is very important, and being mm-hmm, mm-hmm. equal about these things and empathetic and listening to this stuff—that was like a big take home. But you know, <laughs> that's good if that's like the big thing that I've learned. I guess, and this book was really useful. Hence why I can still give it a nine.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So, from my point of view, I think uh, the book was extremely easy to listen to. Mm. So we, we've been we've been delving into the the old philosophers, and this was a, a breath of fresh air in, compa- in compared to those. So that was nice, and I think it, if if the book. Like, I still haven't really figured out what the purpose of the book is, like, w- with what purpose the author wrote it. But if its purpose was to confuse me enough so that we're not, that I want to, like, get unconfused and we'll go deeper <laughs> yeah. into this subject matter, I think it did a pretty good job. So, because uh, that's what we're going to do. And so I'm going to give it a, a, a seven because um, it didn't really changed the way I view the world as such. But I think it's, it's a really great start to an adventure that I, I'm sure will make us as, as wiser and uh, perhaps more useful as human beings. So for next episode, we're going to be reading White Fragil- Fragility and hopefully we'll have uh, like a start to an answer to some of the questions that we have going on in our minds right now. So um, until then,
0: cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast, as you know. We are doing this to try and help you get smarter. Well, I have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart. Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends. So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app. Listen to the same things at the same time. Or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favourite bits. And become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather anti-social. And I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. I do love doing things with other people and having my friends listen to the same things is, is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favour and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com and I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, feel free to reach out to us through the website wiserpod.com or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning and ideally keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico and the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast.